Good morning. Welcome to Ask Andy. This is a daily podcast about personal injury practice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm Andrew Newworth. You can reach me online at newworthlaw, N-E-U-W-I-R-T-H-L-A-W.com or by phone at 215-259-3687. I wanted to talk to you today about medical malpractice cases and what makes a good failure to diagnose cancer uh, cases. And so I know a little bit more about cancer than I should for a couple reasons. One, my wife's an oncologist, which is the kind of doctor that treats cancer. So I kind of can hear what she's dealing with. I hear her talking to patients. And um, so I get a little backdoor knowledge about what's going on in the world of cancer. And I'll tell you that, uh, you know, there have been a a tremendous amount of advancements in the field that, um, you know, uh, you know, if you're faced with a family member with an unfortunate diagnosis of cancer, there's a lot of treatment for it. um, That actually changes how we as lawyers look at these cases but so I have kind of a a little backdoor knowledge of cancer through my wife Um, I also do this kind of pan mass challenge which is a ride across Massachusetts for Dana-Farber Cancer Institute which is Harvard's uh, Cancer Research Institute I do that every year Uh, mostly it's a bicycle ride and I enjoy bicycle riding but it happens to have a fundraising component so you know, my team and I have raised about a half million dollars for cancer research over the past 10 years, <clears throat> if not more at that point. And finally, you know, I, I spent almost, I think, eight years in Boston defending medical malpractice cases, and most of them are failure to diagnose cancer. That's sort of, in my world, to some extent, that's where the big the big dollars are because you know, there's a lot of cancer diagnosis and a lot of people are upset when they get that diagnosis and they feel like something could have been done to prevent the cancer. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's not. But, you know, the critical decision from a lawyer's perspective is, excuse me, is whether... the following happened is really whether the cancer could have been caught and, you know, either prevented from spreading or metastasizing or not. So different cancers operate differently in the body. Modern science still doesn't have um, a great handle on pinpointing exactly when a cancer spreads. Basically, cancer is just an overgrowth of cells, most of our cells have kind of an internal signal on, hey, it's time to die. And a cancer tumor is essentially just an overgrowth of cells or an overgrowth of uh, tumor cells. So it's it's a cell that's kind of gone out of control and it replicates and um, then spreads. And that spread is, is the critical problem because if you had a, a breast cancer that is localized, let's say it's a stage one or stage two breast cancer, um, you know, as scary as that may be to some people or to everybody, the most doctors will say that that cancer can be um, surgically removed and you should not have a recurrence of that specific cancer. 
So, but if the cancer has a chance to spread for whatever reason, <clears throat> then it's, um, you know, becomes much more difficult to treat and doctors will look at a cancer that has spread beyond the local, beyond the breast, for example, to the rest of your body as something that is metastatic. And now we're not looking at a breast cancer that can be cured. We're looking at a breast cancer that is now metastatic. It's stage four, and it's much scarier. It's it's something that can be treated but not cured is kind of how the doctors look at it. So, you know, what does that mean for lawyering? Well, if you had a stage one or a stage two breast cancer that was curable, that was not caught when it should have been, could have been removed, and now has changed into a stage four cancer, hey, you know, do you have a lawsuit? Yeah. Is that something to celebrate? No, because, you know, oftentimes, you know, the situations we see are when there are, you know, fairly young mothers with children and families and jobs who are, are you know, potentially going to die because of that cancer. So, but the critical question when you get down to it is, as a lawyer, how are you going to establish the critical question of causation? Is, could you have cured this cancer if it was caught, you know, on June 1st of 2018 versus June, you know, 1st of 2020 when it's caught eventually. So a lot of cases are brought in breast cancer cases because, you know, modern science doesn't know what date it is that that exact cancer spreads. We can't put a date on it. Okay. And breast cancer is still a little, you know, uh, corrupted a little bit in legal cases because the patients are oftentimes young mothers and they're so sympathetic and their loss is so devastating. If you took a 55-year-old, you know, divorced, you know, truck driver, he's less sympathetic. But what kind of cancers do those gentlemen have? Well, oftentimes they have a cancer that's a little easier to um, prove, at least in the legal and insurance community. So the failure to diagnose colon cancer cases are actually... Um, usually easier ones to deal with conceptually or they're less kind of mentally challenging than some of the harder cancers. So, um, you know, and we're lawyers, we're not doctors, we're not scientists. So easier is simpler when we're conveying these things to jurors who are from all walks of life. So simpler is better. So colon cancer has the unique sort of, um, I don't know, characteristic that it's a very slow growing cancer. So, you know, the general rule is if you're 50 years or older, you should get a colonoscopy. The reason to get a colonoscopy at 50 is that most people don't get colon cancer before they're 50. And we can catch these colon cancers um, even when they're small tumors and they haven't spread throughout the body. Okay. If you have a family history of colon cancer, you're supposed to get screened earlier. But let's say you're an average person, you get screened at 50. And, you know, usually in colon cancer situations, you get this colonoscopy and the colonoscopy finds nothing. And then the colonoscopy actual video is preserved or photos are taken. Pathology, meaning um, 
a, a doctor who specializes in analyzing um, what the tumor looks like has uh, a sample taken and the pathologist looks at it. Everyone signs off that the colon cancer is negative where there's no colon cancer there and everyone moves on. And then seven years later, that same person, uh, or let's say three years later, how about that? Three years later, that same person comes in, they have a colonoscopy because they've had some bloody diarrhea and all of a sudden they have this massive colon cancer. They need to have surgery. They need to have uh, the their colon, which is part of your intestine, taken out, and they die or they're going to die of colon cancer. So what's the patient's, and even the doctor, the primary care doctor, who's seeing this patient or the oncologist, what do they say? Wait a second, you had a, you had a colonoscopy three years ago and it didn't catch this massive tumor? Well, you know, what does that mean? If you have a large colon cancer tumor, it should have been detectable three years earlier because they take five to ten years to grow. So that's, you know, in the grand scheme of cases, that's a good failure to diagnose colon cancer case because now we're going to look back at your records. We're going to look back at um, what was done. And sometimes, you know, in the perfect case, what you'll look back on and see is that the pathologist didn't read the slides properly or the person um, doing the colonoscopy, the gastroenterologist, you know, said that this polyp, which is kind of a pre-tumor situation, it's like a, you know, it's an outgrowth or an abnormality in the colon was not concerning or not this or that. Okay. So there's, you know, potential failure by the doctor, potential failure by the pathologist. Um, you know, there are a thousand other situations that happen. I'll tell you, I had one case, I don't know, 15 years ago now, where the doctor performing the colonoscopy um, who was not my client had was borderline um, blind, and he had been through a lot of testing and screening and recredentialing and read this and read that. But essentially, he was legally blind and was performing colonoscopies, and you know it was just bizarre that he could be doing colonoscopies. The case he was involved in was actually not a failure to diagnose colon cancer case, but I can imagine that there were probably 10 or 20 colon cancers that maybe should have been looked at. Anyway, so, you know, you never know why someone develops colon cancer in a short period of time after they had a colonoscopy. You just don't know. And we we try not to jump to conclusions. And I would tell you that you know, the old adage that we kiss a lot of frogs in my business is true in cancer cases because we sit down with the records, with an expert, and try and figure out, you know, is there a reason to pursue a lawsuit or not? And nine times out of ten, there's not. There's some, you know, basic reason why the doctors all acted appropriately. And that's what we hope. But the statistics are that there's a lot of uh, negligence in the medical field, not necessarily here in Philadelphia, not necessarily, you know, in specific places, but nationally, there's a, you know, it's the fourth leading cause of death in America is is medical negligence. So it's something we got to keep an eye on. Anyway, that's enough for today on medical malpractice, cancer cases, and early diagnosis. So get your early diagnosis, get your cancer screening. That's enough for today. That's Ask Andy. I hold people accountable.